Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 10 of the Big East Barroom. I am your co-host, Tyler Cassidy, with Ryan wearing half of a tie, a red shirt, a red tie, blue shirt, white undershirt, and opening. Ryan, how are you this evening? Yes, I, I just got off work. This is the only time that worked for you. So I sat down and undid my tie, and here I am. I'm ready to talk some Big East preseason award selections. Are you? I don't believe we agree that this is the only time that worked for me. However, this time did work for me. Um, so I'm glad you're here. You could have taken your tie all the way off, though. That would be my only um, counterpoint. I call it semi, semi-professional. semi You know what I mean? Like, it's not too professional, but you know I wear a tie to work. Yeah. Well, that... Okay. You kind of could look homeless, too. Like, you're wearing all your possessions at once. Like, you can't go anywhere else with them. <laughs> Who is that good for? It's a good point. <laughs> Um, Before we get started, we want to announce that we've officially been accepted as SeatGeek Ambassadors, which we are very excited about. So you can use the discount code BEBR, that's short for Big East Barroom, BEBR for a $20 discount on all your purchases from SeatGeek. And, uh, you know, that's a great way to, you know, get some awesome tickets while also supporting us. You're going to a game. Let me paint the scene. Let me paint Please you a picture. Please You're going to a game. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to a game, but I didn't get a season tickets. What do I do? Boom. Seat Geek flashes your head. You're probably a student. You're a geek. No offense. Flashes to your head. You're thinking, wow, I want to go on here, but I could really save $20 and support two brothers trying to live their dream. You do it. You put in B as in boy, E as in elephant, B as in boy, and R as in room. And therefore, you have already accepted us into your homes now. And you are the reason we get to buy each other Christmas presents. Think about well, how it good got you- weird. Um, I'm not sure you're going to use the code anymore. But anyhow, there's it's an option. Um, is there any other housekeeping you want to go over? This is kind of, I mean, we'll do another episode next Sunday, Monday, before the season officially starts, where we'll probably just take a look at this the upcoming week of games. Meaning this is our last off-season episode. Yeah, what do you think about the introduction at the beginning where I said, I'm Tyler Cassidy, you're Ryan Cassidy. Do you like that or no? You're sober, right? You told me you were sober. 100% sober. I just woke up from a little nap. I just want the listeners to know that because it's a little confusing. Okay, so we're we're in on the opening, in on SeatGeek, out on sobriety. Little, little electric today. All right, we're going to start off with Big East Player of the Year selections. We're going to put three minutes on the clock. We'll both give our selections, and then, uh, you know, we'll just talk it out. Tyler, you want to start off with this one? With the first pick in the Big East Barroom preseason awards for player of the year, I will be selecting point guard from Marquette, left-handed, hair also coughed to the left, Tyler Kolick of Marquette Golden Eagles. Tyler Kolick last year burst onto the scene with Marquette, averaging 12.9 points a game with 7.5 assists. 
up from the season before where he averaged only 5.9 assists per game. And he was an incredibly better shooter, shot 47% from the field. Tyler Kolek has shown that he plays better with a chip on his shoulder. So the only worry, which he assured me is not a worry, is that Marquette being the hunted instead of the hunter complacency gets in there. I've seen Chaka Smart, the way he runs the practice. I'm not that worried about it. Tyler Kolek is the front runner for Big East Player of the Year. Everybody else right now is in second place. Doesn't mean he's not can't be unseated. However, right now, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's a really solid point, and it's hard to pick against Tyler Kolek. But one name that I think isn't getting the respect it deserves is a point guard from Philadelphia, Mr. Justin Moore. Now, Justin Moore, two years ago, when he decided to return, well, if he had decided to return without getting injured, he would have been a preseason Big East player of the year last year. Now, of course, he tears his Achilles in the Elite Eight. We don't get to see him healthy last year for most of the year. So he's kind of getting forgotten about by a lot of people. But Justin Moore has absolute Big East player of the year potential and talent. I mean, when he came back last year, he he averaged 13.5 points a game, three assists, three and a half rebounds, um, shot 42% from the field, 35% from three. And that was coming back from an Achilles injury halfway through the year. Yeah. He's coming back for this season. He is going to want to go to the NBA next year. He wanted to go to the NBA last year, but didn't have the opportunity because of the Achilles injury. I'm looking for a huge season from Justin Moore. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Justin Moore is the name there. Um, I think we the only other two we'd have to talk about who I think are preseason. You know, hey, listen, l- remember Kolek last year, we would have not even said his name in uh, consideration. So anybody can come from anywhere. Sule Boom and Bryce Hopkins also transferred anywhere right there. But um, Donovan Klingon and Ryan Kalkbrenner, I think, are right. Uh, would be three and four if you were looking at preseason awards. I think you got to put Bryce Hopkins right there, too. Yes, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's – Ty, we got 30 seconds. If there's somebody that's new to the conference that's going to win it, do you have a pick? Um, New to the conference that's going to win it. Is, are you segueing here? Is this a segue? Oh, just a question. Um, Yeah, no, I can't even – I would say Jordan Dingle just because points per game win things. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right, but that was kind of a good segue because our next question is going to be freshman of the year. All right, here, let's do defensive player of the year first. So I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. And my pick for defensive player of the year, and this is, I mean, this is an easier pick than player of the year even, it's Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's two-time Big East defensive player of the year. He is by far the most impactful Defensive player in the Big East. Um, 7-2, a, a legit 7-2. And Greg McDermott has built his entire defense around Ryan Kalkbrenner. It's very few times in a college basketball coach's life that he gets to coach a two-time Big East player of the year. Um, averaged two blocks last year, half a steal. He wins every defensive analytic metric. And as far as the preseason selection goes, it's just not even close. Yeah, funny that you say that because I actually picked against him to win Big East uh, Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, I am going with um, a man who I think Ryan Kalkbender does this to you too. You get the oh shit award, um, meaning that you get in the paint and all of a sudden you look up and you go, oh shit, I'm not going to shoot now because this man's in front of me. And that's Donovan Klingon. Um Donovan Klingon has a little bit wider of a wingspan than Ryan Kalkbrenner. Um, I think he's a little bit more mobile in some ways. Um, 
I, you know, listen, part of guessing awards is that you're going to get some wrong. I guessed Arthur Kaluma would be player of the year last year. Um, and that fell on its face. But I think also there's something people get, get award fatigue. It's why LeBron James does not have 12 MVPs in his trophy case. Um, so I'm I'm going to just predict that Donovan Klingon's going to win. No doubt that Ryan Conkbrenner will be amazing. I also would like to mention our guy, Stevie Mitchell, is an incredibly good defender. Um, and he, if you had a guard defensive player of the year, I think it'd be between him and Devin Carter, um, who would win that position. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point about award fatigue. It's absolutely true about LeBron James, who would have won it for about 10 years in a row. But I think in college basketball, it's a little different because we understand that the careers are so short. You know, Ryan Kalkbrenner's year this year will be his last year. So the idea of not giving him the award, even though you know he deserves it, he'll never get it again. So I agree. But if Donovan Klingon comes on and is um, a front runner for player of the year and his defense is half of his game at that point, he might, you know, it could come down. I know it's weird. It could come down to offense because you're going to look at the narrative with some of these players. If Ryan, if Ryan Cockbrenner doesn't have as good of a year next year as Donovan Klingon as a whole, you might give Don. People might just buy the narratives, right? A little bit. I don't know. It, Ryan Cockbrenner is obviously the front runner. Um, and I know we had somebody mention that they don't like that. I like Klingon for this award. Hey, I don't, I think you have a good one, a and one B and um, the big East has shown that they will give co awards out. You know, we had three players of the year a few years ago. So, yeah, that's where I land on Klingon. I understand where you're coming from. I just want to throw in real quick because we're out of time. Ryan Corkbrenner not only is a behemoth, 7-2, but he is such an understanding of the game at this point. His ability to play drop coverage, be in the right spots uh, defensively. He's so much more than just a big body. He's really learned how to play defense at a high level. So um, I think that gives him over the, the edge over, you know, a player that's only played, you know, part-time minutes in this league at this point. And won a national championship. Next, let's move over to freshman of the year. You're going to go first, and I think this is an easy one. Yeah, this one to me is the biggest slam dunk. Uh, I'm going to go Stefan Castle. We actually have a good mailbag question about this as well, um, and I really want to dive into that a little bit more when we get to that mailbag. So if you're a UConn fan, stay tuned. Ryan, take notes. That's how you keep the people listening. Um, Stefan Castle is going to come in and play for – Dan Hurley, and he's going to probably be either the lead guard or a combo guard at all times. Um, he's the 10th highest recruit on 247 right now. Sports going into this year, to put that in perspective, and we'll talk about this again later, Cam Whitmore is the 13th best prospect going into the last year. Stefan Castle is the highest rated recruit the Big East has had in a few years. Um, his ability to shoot, his physical makeup, um, and everything we've seen from him mentally, I think Stefan Castle is going to run away with this award. Um I'm guessing I know who you're going to pick, who I think is a really good second pick, though. Yeah, this is tough because on these other players, we've seen them play a significant amount. Now, I've watched Stefan Castle in the All-American game, but that's not really the same as watching a full season of Donovan Klingon or more than that for Justin Moore, watching almost three seasons of him. So this is a little tougher. Um, I'm going to pick Garway Duell here. Uh, I mean, he's just a freak at point guard. What is he about? Six, 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 seven, huge wingspan. And I think this is really important. He has NBA aspirations after this year. He has one and done aspirations. He's got some NBA buzz last summer. So what that's going to do is it's going to force Kim English to play him, especially if he's, you know, playing at that level where he's earning that playing time. Um, 
Dual can work his way into the starting lineup. And then from there, you know, all things are possible for a freshman. Um, six five point guard, and I think one of the interesting things, um, never to disparage a player, I think Garway Duell could find himself starting if Jaden Pierce struggles too, and I think that would be really important. Yeah, that's the biggest roadblock for most freshmen of the year is that most freshmen don't start when they come in. That's why it came down to Alex Caravan and Cam Whitmore last year because they were pretty much the only two freshmen that started all year. Um, you know, you look at a kid like Solomon Ball over at UConn. He's a very highly rated recruit, but he's just not going to start unless something catastrophic happens to the UConn Huskies. Um, I really like the kid Trey Green out at Xavier. I watched some of his high school game. He's not going to start. He's behind three guards, Quincy Oliveri, uh, Davion McKnight, and Desmond Claude. So for a lot of these guys, that's the biggest obstacle, and that's why I say Garway Duell has the highest possibility to unseat Stefan Castle. And Castle will get those minutes too. Castle will start. Castle will play. Um, there will be no question about – if Castle played enough minutes to get the role, um, I think betting this is the only one where somebody would be minus money to win. Um, everyone else you would probably see plus money, but Stefan Castle's probably minus money there. Yeah, I agree with that take. All right. What do you got next for us, Rye? Is it my pick? No, it's your pick first. Oh, I got the slam dunk one. All right. We're going to move over to transfer of the year. And this is going to give me a chance to talk about my favorite coach, Mr. Rick Pitino. Well, Ryan, not He's in one of the top guards in the entire country last year, Jordan Dingle out of University of Pennsylvania in the Ivy League. Tyler, how does uh, 23.4 points on 46.4% shooting sound, 35% from three, two and a half assists, uh, over a steal per game in 33 minutes of action? He was by any metric, he was one of the best players in the entire country last year. He and scoring translates. Right, look at Sule Boom. If you can score, you know, if you can put the ball in a basket, you put the ball in a basket anywhere, um, especially for guards. So I think that he's as good of a pick for, as anybody for transfer of the year. Yeah, I mean, that was my pick. I'll say I love uh, Jordan Diggle's game. I think he's gonna be the guy um, that he was at UPenn. Um, so yeah, you stole mine, so I can't really hate on it. Other than um, he'll play for Rick. Um, my, I, I'll give two that I think are going to be right there. Um, and this is a guy I wasn't sure about how to feel, but, and hey, maybe the buzz is whatever, but Steven Ashworth of Creighton, um, kid shot 43% from three last year um, and 16 points a game, you know, on a team that made the tournament, I believe, Utah State. Um, you know, just an incredibly good sharpshooter. He's going to be on a high power Creighton offense. He's not going to be relied on to score. He should get a lot of shots up. Um, and then one person that I've actually thought is going way under the radar is Tyler Burton, um, who played four years at Richmond. So, right, you talked about how do you like this? How do you like this for Jordan Dingle? Well, last year, Tyler Burton scored 19 points on the dot a game, 45% from the field. And, I mean, you know, he didn't shoot well from three last year, but the two years before that, he shot 36% from three in both games or both seasons. You know, he averages seven and a half rebounds a game. He's kind of a, you know, a physical – kind of reminds me of what uh, Bryce Hopkins type player um, in terms of his ability to get downhill. Um, he's kind of a six seven, strong as hell player. So I think Tyler Burton hasn't been talked about enough, especially because TJ Bamba, Hakeem Hart for Villanova have gotten a lot of attention. But I think Tyler Burton is as good of a pick as any. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's tough when you're talking about Villanova because they brought in so many high-level, experienced veteran transfers. Um, it's hard to pick out one. I really like Tyler Burton, though. I mean, he's a four that can – he's really a wing. He's not really a forward. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He played in the Richmond system where, you know, they run high-level offense. Um, I think it's really – did you mention Cam Spencer? No, I didn't mention Cam Spencer. Do you want to talk about him a little bit? Well, we're running out of time, but I just want to say Cam Spencer is one of the best shooters in the league, and he's going on to the reigning national champion. Um, it's not a bad pick if you were going that way, but I'm going to stick with Dingle. Right. Let me just – I know we ran out of time. I pulled up his stats and then didn't talk about him, um, and maybe it's because he was such a nice kid. Josh Adoro put up numbers at George Mason last year, and I get it, lower conference, but, I mean, the kid put up 15 – you know, 15 and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds. Um, and he's saying he's shooting 200 threes a game. So, you know, I I just think Josh Adoro is being slept on a little bit too. Yeah, I don't think Josh Adoro is a bad pick at all. There's a lot of high-level transfers coming Davion in. Davion McKnight, Quincy yeah. Oliveri. Yep, absolutely. We're talking about really high. Stephen Ashworth? I said, yeah, Stephen Ashworth. Um, yeah, just you could go through the list and it's just really high-level players. But that's going to move us over to most improved player. I've got two, so you can't even take mine because I got two I really like. Well, I could take both. You don't. You didn't realize I'm going to take both this time. Go ahead. Um. Well, so I put up most improved player, and then some people kind of came at me because I put out my awards a few weeks ago. Um. But I put out and I put Kadari Richmond on the list. Um. People said, "Well, how much more can he improve?" Yeah, you know, when you look at Kadari Richmond's stats, I think it's consistent that he has really good stats in the Big East. I don't think anybody's trying to, you know, argue that. I think he averaged 10, 10 5, and 5 last year. Um, I think the narrative around Kadari Richmond has always been that he's underperformed, especially with some of, uh, you know, how athletic he was coming out of um, Syracuse or going to Syracuse. So I think kind of like how Joel Soriano's numbers were pretty good last year, and then he took him to another level. Like and he became Big East first team. That's kind of what I think Kadari Richmond could do. I'm not talking about a guy who goes from like a from a let's say a C grade to a B grade. I'm saying like he's already a B grade player and he could go to like an A plus player. And that's where I think that this award you know could go to Kadari Richmond. A little improved shooting, a little bit more leadership, um, and maybe we could see him up there. But you know I do I do at least recognize that his stats are already really good. And you know how much more is he going to improve on those? Yeah, but I think you talk about, like, those flashes that he's shown, like, against the UConn game, where what did he score, like, 15? 24, I, I think it was 24 or 18. Something ridiculous. Um, and if he was able to do that consistently, he would be a Big East Player of the Year candidate. So yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm going to go with a guy from our hometown, well, close enough, New Haven, Connecticut, Desmond Claude. Yes. Out there and Xavier, I think that he is going to be one of the best wings in the country this year. Um, sounds like Miller is moving him off the ball. He's got a lot of guards. Davion McKnight is a true point guard. Uh, Trey Green is a true point guard. His incoming four-star freshman. Sounds like he's going to move Claude off the ball more into the Kobe Jones role, where you know Kobe Jones would bring the ball up at times, but it was obviously not his main responsibility. But Claude has all the makings of just being – he's a freak athlete. He's huge. He gets to the rim at will. And if he can shoot at a consistent rate, the way Colby Jones figured out how to do his junior year, he's an NBA draft pick, in my opinion. Would you hear a conversation for Posh Alexander regaining his all-big East form? I mean, I'd root for it. I'd love it. 
Um, Do you think going back to what you were before gets you most improved? Like there's no comeback player of the year, right? So most improved would Pops Alexander's already kind of seen that top of the mountain of being one of the best players in the Big East. Hey, quick question, you know, overall question. Do you think sophomore leaps shouldn't count for most improved player? Like I picked Desmond Claude. I was thinking Chase Ross. Do you think that should I mean, yeah, I mean, what about Alex Caravan then? I mean, you could throw in a bunch of people. I think Donovan Klingon is going to play a hell of a lot more time minute. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't hate your point, but I did prepare sophomores for that question, so that's why I ro- rolled with. All right. All right. That's going to move us over to sixth man of the year. All right. I know you and I don't agree with how the Villanova starting lineup is looking to shake out. Well, my pick for sixth man of the year right now is Mark Armstrong coming off the bench for Villanova, who's a four-star last year. He showed flashes of being, you know, absolutely starting quality point guard in the Big East. I believe he's going to come off the bench because I believe Justin Moore and TJ Bamba and Hakeem Hart will take up the three guard spots. But I think he will be sixth man of the year because I think that the talent just shows Neptune is going to try to play to the strength of depth this year you should see plenty of minutes and I'm expecting big things from Mark Armstrong yeah I don't agree with you on terms of him being there but if Mark Armstrong is a sixth man I think I picked um Hakeem Hart for mine I just think one of them is gonna sit um and they're gonna play Mark Armstrong who's more of a true point guard than Justin Moore in my opinion um but I'm gonna go with uh Chase Ross um and he might be in the running for most improved player as well this guy's gonna come off the bench he is a high flyer um, I believe the quote, my quote is he can, he'll dunk on everyone who walks. Um, one of the, you know, one of the more flashy players in the big East in terms of athleticism. I I just think that he might, you know, be that guy. And it's really hard because who in the big East is coming off the bench. If you go through teams, you, I mean, things change so quickly. Um, you would need someone who's consistently coming off the bench in that role to win that award. And, you know, even if we don't agree on Armstrong where, cause I think Armstrong's going to start, we wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the year Armstrong was starting and not eligible for this award. So this is a hard award to predict, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the hardest award to predict because it's kind of, you know, by chance. Yeah. You happen to be behind five really good starters, but you were also really good. It was Tyler Polly two years ago and David Joplin last year. Um, who's the first guy off the bench for Creighton? Is it Fred King? Um. Ashworth, Alexander, Shireman, Cock, Trout. Could be Trout, could be Miller. Depends who gets the four there. Um, you know, obviously that five is really good. So you could see the six man coming out of that program. The low ball for UConn, has, right? And if he comes off the bench and is electric, Garway Dual for Providence. Like we're talking about some of these freshmen. Maybe they're going to be the ones who get booted to the bench, but can still win that award. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's going to move us over to. Are we doing our whole first team? Yeah, I mean, I think we agree on some, so okay. we don't have to talk we'll about consensus and then other picks. I think we agree on five of the six if we've talked about this. Okay, um, go ahead. We don't have to talk about Kolek because we just did a whole thing on Kolek, and we don't have to talk about Justin Moore because we just did a whole thing on Justin Moore, right? Two yep. and two. Um, Brian Cockbrenner. Yep. Right. Don McLean. Oh no, that's one we don't agree on. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't talk too much about Bryce Hopkins, but he's another guy that looks to have the NBA in his sights for this coming year. 
Uh, he lost like 15 pounds. He loves his new strength and conditioning coach that Kim English has brought in. He says, you know, well, Kim English has talked about how much more similar the current strength and conditioning coaches to the NBA strength and conditioning than the previous guy at Providence. Um, he brings that background with him. So I think Hopkins is, is – uh, he was first team last year, and I don't know why that would change. So I think he's absolutely a lock for first team preseason. I, I agree with you. I think Hopkins is in. Um, I think that the uh, – we both agreed on Trey Alexander, I believe, as well, being in, right? Yes. That's – Yeah, and the one we don't agree with is you have Soriano, I believe, to start the year on your – First team, and I have uh, Don McClingan on. Yeah, I do. I do have Joel Soriano. I think he's earned it. Uh, he finished second in the country in double doubles last year. I know I say that pretty much every podcast, but it's true and it's impressive, and people don't talk about it enough. Yeah, I'm, listen, it's no disrespect to Soriano. Um, I just think, like literally, the six players I mentioned could be uh, all Americans for the country. Um, where I think Soriano's ceiling is what we hit last year, and was not. A, you think he has more of a ceiling? I think you give me the ick. Oh well, no, Rick does that. Slick Rick ick. Um, St. John's hater. No, I love Joel. I love Joel Soriano. Joel Soriano is a real deal. He's gonna be in a. He's gonna be in a hell of a conference of big men again. But he did a great job last year, and he was one of the people you had a game plan for. Fantastic player, fantastic guy. Um, go out there. He can't even prove me wrong because he's gonna be fantastic. He's gonna be. It's going to be the six of them or seven of them next year, I think, fighting for that. Um, seven of them fighting for those six spots all year. I think it's a fair point. All right, that just leaves us coach of the year and regular season champions. You want to lead for coach? Yeah, so I put this out. Um, I believe Sean Miller is the favorite for coach of the year going in. Uh, maybe not the favorite, sorry. He's my pick for coach of the year going in. And because why did Shaka Smart win it last year? Because they played much better than they were predicted to in the preseason. Exactly. Xavier's pretty much a consensus sixth or seventh best team in the Big East. They're going to have a lot of transfers. They've done that before. Sean Miller is no stranger to doing that. His best player, well, his, yeah, maybe his best player last year was a transfer. They're bringing in experienced transfers as well. So Davion McKnight, Quincy, um, Desmond Claude, they lost their two experienced players i think all of the hype is going to be well xavier's in for a down year and i think when xavier qualifies for the national tournament this year um that people are going to look around and be like wow this might have been sean miller's best coaching job yet yeah to be honest that was also my pick i think that that's a really i mean because then you look at the hunter and Fremantle stuff and it's such a it's a story that writes itself um if he's able to take this team to the ncaa tournament and he's a hell of a freaking coach and that never hurts when you're picking coach of the year, he is a great coach. Okay. Um, then screw it. I'll say that other people who can win, another person who can win coach of the year, and I am on record of not a believer, Thad Mata. This, it could, he could do the same thing where he could be, you could look around, he could be like, those weren't my guys the last two years, and therefore, you know, that's why we underperformed. I got my guys in there, and I could qualify for an NCAA tournament bid. So give me um, Thad Mata has having an opportunity. And you should throw Rick Pitino in there, too, because if Rick Pitino takes his St. John's team to the NCAA tournament, you know, people would love to give him Big East Coach of the Year. That would, he's, would... A Hall of Fame. he's a Hall of Famer. If he can do it, congratulations. You did what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, 
I think about the narrative of, of Georgetown's good though. Think about what that would do. Well, I can I can imagine there's one state he won't get any votes from. Yeah. Also, I mean, you can also say the same about Kim English. You could be like, look at all the turmoil Providence went through this offseason. And here's Kim English, who still brought them to a tournament. Or, you know, they, you know, they could win the Big East. I don't think people talk about that enough. Um, but yeah, he, I think I think it's all these people. Who, you could change the narrative about anything. I would say, though, going into the year, I don't think Greg McDermott, Shaka Smart, Dan Hurley, um, really have the opportunity to win it because they are so favored unless injuries really hit and they have to coach. Like people will say you have the talent. There's a reason Joe Torre never won manager of the year with the 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000 Yankees. Um, yeah. I think the bar is just higher. Like if, if Creighton runs the table, goes 20 and oh, Greg McDermott's going to win coach of the year, of course. Sure. But uh, that bar is just higher to win coach of the year. If you want to guess it's already favored. I wonder how many coaches of the year Mark Few has because that would be a good – All of them. They just keep giving it to him every year he runs the table. Ty, that just leaves one category left. Who you He's got for the last one? Your Big East regular season champions. My Big East regular season champion reside in Storrs, Connecticut. Nah. The UConn Huskies said – and listen, I think UConn, uh, this is where you tune out. They could be primed for a um, an, a letdown in the tournament because I think UConn had Dan Hurley is going to easily say we have nothing to prove or we have everything to prove in the Big East. We didn't win our regular season. We didn't win the championship. But um, I think they might use a lot of gas to get there. I think they really, really care about winning the Big East regular season championship. Um, I think that they are primed to do it. I think they're more talented, talented than they were last year. Um, Stefan Castle is one of the most talented players in the country. You're bringing back your point guard and power forward. Yes, you will be replacing Andre Jackson, one of the best shooters in the country. And I love Adama Sanogo, but Donovan Klingon is going to be drafted in the first round. Um, this this team is poised for that chance. And I think the way Hurley's going to get them motivated is you guys came in fourth in this league last year. Let's go. Let's get it together. Let's get a championship. Yeah, I mean... It- Picking the reigning national champion is never a bad pick, right? They have as good of chances as anybody. But I'm going to go with the Marquette Golden Eagles. I'm going back to back. And, you know, it's hard to go back to back in college basketball, but you returned four of your five starters from the team that won it last year. Chase Ross is only going to be better this Nick, this year. Um, Sean Jones is only going to be better this year. Ben Gold is only going to be better this year. You're really not subtracting anything. Omax? You're subtra- you're trading Omax for the sixth man of the year, David Joplin. Yeah. Um, Chuck Smart's a hell of a coach. He's got those guys ready to play, and Tyler Kolek loves playing in college basketball. I think, you know, really any of those top three are good picks. But I'm going to go. I don't see any reason to pick against Marquette after what they showed us last year. Yeah, you made fun of kind of made a joke about me picking the defending national champion. And then you picked the people who won the conference and the championship. I didn't make a joke. I just said it was a solid pick. Yeah, well, I agree with that. It is a solid pick. All right. Stick around to uh, hear the mailbag. All right, we put a question out to you guys about mailbag questions. And we came, we got a ton from you. You guys are the best. Um, 
I believe we got like 20, 20 questions. So Rye, you want me to just throw them out there and we could talk about them. There are a few I want to talk more in depth about. I actually prepped for this. Um, but I do think that there are some really good ones. Um, when people are not being um, facetious and asking for Rick Patino's job. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I don't know any of the questions that are coming. Perfect. So you did not prep for this. That's correct. All right. First question from UConn B-Ball fan. Uh, who do you think will be the second option behind Klingon for UConn? I'm not sure. Klingon will be the first option. Who would be the first option? You know, it's an, it's an interesting question because it's much more balanced than last year where Adama Sinogo is always your first option, your safety valve, and everybody else kind of moved around him in orbit. Um, you know, Diamond Klingon just hasn't showed the same offensive skill set as Adama Sinogo. I'm not sure you throw the ball to him in the low post the same way that you were throwing it to Sinogo and just let him go to work, clear out. I think it's really unclear who's going to be the first option at this point. Uh, I think, and Hurley is often pretty good at spreading the ball around. Yeah, because who what would you say two years ago the first option was Cole, but Martin was a double digit game scorer. Sonogo is a double digit game scorer, and um, you know some. I do think that Klingon will average the most amount of points on UConn, if that's part of the question. I'm not sure of that either. I think Stefan Castle could easily be, end up being the first option by the end of the year. I think Tristan Newton will start as being the second option um, because he can get downhill. Um, he can create his own shot a little bit. Um, you saw it towards the end of last year. He was able to drive and get to the hole. Um, but, yeah, I think if you're looking for a clear out in a bucket, let's say end of the game, you need to give it to someone. I think in it's game one, God, if they're losing in North Arizona or whatever, um, I think Tristan Newton would be the one taking that shot, and they would trust him to create and dish if he got in trouble. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's exactly right to start the season. Uh, Alex Caravan, too, absolutely can go find his own shot. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to him in big moments down the stretch. Prettier Bird asks, would you rather uh, play in an NBA arena or a classic college arena? Classic this is- college. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just so excited because college basketball. Um, this, this is a question tailored towards us. So what are your top – what's your top arena you'd like to play in? Well, I mean, I can I can just mess with everyone and just say Madison Square Garden, right? Yeah, I mean, that's hard. And, hard. I, and I could just say that's where I would play for St. John's and that's where I'd play for the Knicks. I think I'd say Indiana. Assemb- what is it, Assembly Hall? Yeah. Hoosiers was t- no, the Hoosiers was taped at um, Hinkle, right? I- I'd love to be a Providence player on January 24th. That'd be a hell of an atmosphere. Yeah, that's a different question. What team would I like to play for at home? I mean, God, yeah. playing at home as Providence player must feel like. Yeah, you're the king of the world. Um, <laughs> You got some funny ones in here that I just thought. Nick Ireland asked about UConn not getting flag affecting LeBron's legacy which always makes me laugh. Um, do you care about UConn not getting flagged? I guess we should address that because that's been like the big, big East topic today. Yeah, you always care, but at the end of the day, nobody has ever recruited like Duke and Kentucky. Yeah. So it was really cool to think for a few moments that maybe UConn could steal the number one recruit in the country from Duke. But at the end of the day, it's just business as usual because Duke and Kentucky are in a different stratosphere. They've been paying kids for a lot longer than everybody else has been paying kids. And they have more success at getting people in the NBA. So if you're a one and done, I understand why you'd go there. I don't blame him. I'll be honest, and maybe this is some coping. Um, as people who really like the Big East, it makes 
you know, I hate one and dones just because you don't get to know the player very well. Cooper flag, will be a one and done. I'm sure I would have gotten very, very, very excited to see him play for UConn, but, um, you know, we're going to, ha- you know, I like when the Big East has some continuity to it. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'd rather get guys who are going to be around for three years. Yeah. Uh, Jerome Hunter fan club asked why. Man, if I knew. Woo. And um, I don't know why Jerome Hunter got hurt, which it makes me sad. Um, is the season already over for St. John's losing a pace? Um, no, but it's not a good sign. Oh, come on. It's just a wild overreaction. I disagree. And, I, and, and then St. John's fans are going off the other deep end. But, like, of course it doesn't mean anything. You are play. You were playing without your two best players. And half of these ex- uh, scrimmages are, you know, like, let's practice our own uh, out-of-bounds place or our under-basket out-of-bounds place. Yeah. You know, it's not actually a basketball game. It's a self-fulfilling um... – Mind or prophecy, though, if they do do bad, you can look back and say, well, look at, you know, at the beginning of the year, they were they kind of showed some warning signs of. But if they turn around, listen, and I think Rick Pitino, people are saying he tried to lose. I don't think he tried to lose, but I think that Rick Pitino might be sitting there going, this isn't the worst thing that's ever happened. uh, (laughs) And it's okay. I think Rick Pitino is much more concerned about. Apparently, they had trouble rebounding. I think he's much more concerned about his guards not hitting the glass than he's concerned about the final score. Okay. Do you feel the Midwest schools, this Butler basketball HQ, do you feel Midwest schools don't get the same attention and coverage that the East Coast teams get? Yeah, it's actually a great question. It's something we can speak about at the Big East Media Day. And it's a darn shame. But, you know, for example, Marquette and Creighton just don't didn't get a lot of love at the Big East Media Day, whereas UConn, St. John's, and even Georgetown were absolutely mobbed. Um, you know, it's really unfortunate because some of the best basketball we have in this conference is coming out of the Midwest, and that should be celebrated. But at the end of the day, it's still the Big East, and the epicenter of the Big East is in New York, and it's a long way to go from Omaha to New York City. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing, that we were able to have access, walk right up and talk to Ryan Kochbrenner, but had to, would have had to jump over five people to talk to Don McClingan. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I don't think they get the love they deserve. Um, but, you know, people play games like Marquette and teams like Marquette um, where they continue to prove that they can do it. You know, in the Big East, they're going to start stealing some attention. You know, Marquette got some – Marquette and Creighton, both are top ten teams this year. Um, and, you know, when, if, God, if you win a national championship, everything – all of a sudden, people are willing to take that whole drive to Omaha – or from Omaha. Yeah, that's absolutely true. you got to remember the thing about UConn is also its, it's alumni base. is just so much larger than these Catholic schools because it's a yeah. public university. So you're kind of playing in a different league, which, of course, gets into the whole Big 12 stuff, which I don't want to talk about. But I'm just, you know, Creighton alumni base is one-fifth of the size of the UConn alumni base, if I were to guess. Um, Zach Smith says, which mid-major um, do you think surprises people? We're not as well-versed in the mid-majors of different things, so I can't even begin to pick. But I think people really like FAU. And then half the people I see talking about FAU say they're going to fall on their face. And half the people I see talking about FAU is um, – um, talking about, you know, that they're going to win a national championship. Yeah, the only time we watch mid-majors is when there's no Big East games on because we can't go a whole day without watching college basketball. So, 
Um, uh, you know, give me Drake because Drake is always good. Or no, you know what? Give me Loyola Chicago because she's still alive. Your girl. God, I can't believe she's still alive. All right. What is the gap between Xavier, Villanova, Providence, and St. John's? In my mind, they're all very close. That was Reagan. Um, Can you say the four teams again? uh, Xavier, Villanova, Providence, and St. John's. Xavier, Villanova, Providence. So if I were to go in order, Villanova, then St. John's, then Providence, then Xavier. I think St. John's, Providence, and Xavier are very, very, very close. Um, Like inches away from each other. And I think Villanova is clearly the best team there. Um, But I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see St. John's go up to the four or St. John's fall down to the eight. Same with Providence and Xavier. Um, I would be surprised to see Villanova not qualify for a tournament this year. Yeah, agreed. I think the difference for Xavier than the other three is Xavier just doesn't have the same amount of healthy talent. Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation if you have Fremantle and Hunter. Without Fremantle and Hunter, your front court is so thin. And, um, you know, the other teams, we don't know exactly how things will play out because there's so many transfers or like Providence has a new coach. But there's a lot of talent on the team. And, and Xavier just doesn't have that high level of healthy talent. Um, These questions, I think, go together. And this is the last one. Or no, there's one more. Hold on one second. Um, that we were asked. Uh, if you could take one coach from any conference or the NBA and add him to our the Big East, who would you choose? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't see this. Do I have to? T- They're a lot. They have to be alive. I don't want to kick anybody out. Well, it's John Wooden if they don't have to be alive. That's easy. Um. Just like as a net addition, yeah. For me, it's, it's between self and few. Yeah, I mean, you add self or few. That's another Hall of Fame, you know, caliber coach coming in there. Um, I said they had to be alive. Give me Coach K. Give me Mike Shashevsky coming back off the side on the sidelines. Well, is he going to retire right after you bring him back? Because I don't think he wants to coach. But I mean, can you imagine Big East Media Day of Mike Shashevsky there? <laughs> Talk about mocked. All right, right. The last question I thought was a really good one um, was from Brian Kervik. It says, Stefan Castle is the highest rated recruit by 247 composite in the Big East over the last decade, depending on who you ask. Um, and it could be a potential six to eight pick. Why is nobody talking about him? And I thought this was a really good pick. So what I did is I went back and I looked at 247 last year, who was in the top. So Stefan Castle is ranked 10th right now in 247. Um, obviously that changes, you know, if you have, 10 the bet if you have 10 LeBron Jameses, it's different to be ranked 10th that year than it is, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to put in perspective what who he was ranked ahead of last year. So he was ranked um so Cam Whitmore last year was ranked 13th. Brandon Miller last year was ranked 14th. Anthony Black was ranked 17th. Jordan Walsh was ranked 19th. Grady Dick was ranked 22nd. Jordan or Jalen Hood Shafino was ranked 23rd. I believe all of those players got drafted. Um, I do think that there is a little, we're not talking about Stefan Castle a little bit. I think part of it is there's a lot of noise around UConn anyway, because they just won the national championship. So there's other things to talk about. Um, but I do think Castle's being slept on a little bit. I know we just picked him as freshman of the year, but like week, like if this is another conference, we could be talking about Stefan Castle, like player of the year conversation. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I think it's a fair point. Cam Whitmore had a lot of hype going into last year, but, you know, 
I think Stefan Castle's getting a good amount of hype. I don't think people have forgotten about him. But he doesn't project to be one of the best players. He doesn't project to be one of the top six players. We just did our all first team Big East teams. Neither of us put him in it. Yeah, but um, would you be surprised if Stefan Castle was in that conversation by the end of the year? No, not necessarily, but there's so much veteran talent in this league, which is a fantastic thing for our conference. Uh-huh. There's so much veteran talent that it's just really hard for a freshman to ever compete one-on-one against them. If Brandon Miller was in the Big East last year, Brandon Miller would have been fine. Probably wouldn't have gone to jail, shot anyone either. Well, we got better morals with Catholic conference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what – they always say Catholics have the best morals. I'm not um... – Buying the story that Stefan Castle isn't getting enough hype. Not buying it. And I am. And if I'm Stefan Castle, I'm putting bulletin board material. Every time he sees himself not on the Big East first team, um, you know, I, I, if I were him, I would be putting that up somewhere. And that's what he should be doing. But um, I thought it was a good question because I, when I went back to look at some of the 247 rankings from last year to see some of those num- names above him, um, it was a little shocking. It was just a little surprising. You know, we talked a lot about Donovan Klingon last year. I thought Donovan Klingon had more hype. Donovan Klingon was the 50th best prospect, I believe, coming into last year. I don't think that's fair. Donovan Klingon was a very special situation. We live in Connecticut. He came from Connecticut public schools, right. stayed in public schools to set the record that his mom had set. Um, you know, it, it was a lot going on there. Sure. I but think- he was, he, we thought about Donovan Klingon as like, you know, could be one of the best players in the conference, I thought, last year, going into the year. I don't think people in Nebraska felt that way. I think that was a local thing. Anyhow, that wraps up episode 10 of the Big East Barham offseason. It's our last episode of the Big East Barham offseason. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us this offseason, and we cannot wait to start some actual college basketball so we'll have something to talk about. Yes. Um, Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Continue to get those mailbags in when we throw them out there. Um, we'll get much, you know, we've been pretty regular now for a little bit. We got a few things coming down the pipe, um, and use that SeatGeek code. Let's, let's see if, uh, we can get SeatGeek's attention a little bit more. Appreciate you guys. And as always, thanks for pulling up a stool.